Well, thank you, Noah. One of the things that I, I really love about seeing the children do these verses is the feeling of accomplishment that's on their face. And you could really see it there on Noah's face at the very end. So good job, buddy. Uh, thank you for bringing that verse to us this morning. And this morning uh, for our message, we're going to be in, in Psalm 27. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them and, and turn to Psalm 27. And as you're finding your way to Psalm 27, um, I'm just going to start with something that seems like a, a real obvious statement. Children are afraid of the dark. It's true. Uh, anybody who's raised children or has children know that there is a, an apprehension that children have in the dark. And while all children don't have the same level of apprehension, most kids will feel that fear and that dread that's in the dark. Even in our, in our own household, uh, our own son uh, wants the door open and so that the light will come in. And even so that there's a, a connectedness that is there, that, that pathway uh, to his parents and that feeling of safety as the light's coming in. And so we have all kinds of low-light gadgets that are scattered throughout the house in order to be able to help the boys uh, get through the night. And I, and I have to admit, when I was younger, I, I had a fear of the unknown things that would lurk in the darkness. I remember being over at a, at a friend's house who had a, a finished basement and there was no windows to let any light in. And even during the day, um, if we shut that light off to go up the stairs, it would be absolutely pitch black in there. And as you were walking up the stairs, the darkness seemed to be closing in on you. And as you got about halfway up, you would just start almost running to get up to the top of the stairs because of those, the darkness, the unknown things that are in the darkness. And maybe it's an overactive imagination. But I think that there are reasons why we fear the dark. Um, we can't see those horrible things uh, that lurk in the darkness. And if we can't see, then we can't prepare and we can't control and we can't defend ourselves against those unknown things that are coming out of us in the darkness. And that drives us to fear and trembling. The unknown, the inability to prepare for that unknown that leaves us feeling out of control. And, and many people, including myself, uh, don't like to drive at night. There is just a, uh, you can't see very well, and there is just a feeling of, of, of it being unsafe and you don't have that control, and you get nervous. And I, and I think this is also true in life. Um, when we don't know what lies ahead, uh, when we can't see the horrible things that are coming around the corner or in the future, we start to, to panic, and we start to feel that dread. And it could be with our job. It could be with our relationships. It could be the future for our children could be with an upcoming election or what's going to become of this pandemic that we're in or even our ministry. And when we feel that we're in the dark and the unknowns are pressing in all around us, it can feel overwhelming and we become fearful and we begin to panic. And so we need a light. And so the question is, what is that light? Uh, where do we find that light in that, that comfort and that security uh, when the world seems to be closing in on all sides. 
and surrounding us. And so that's going to be the starting place that we're going to start with this morning in Psalm 27. Now, I asked that question, what is our light? Uh, but a more accurate way to, to put it would be, to whom do we run to for our light and our security? Well, the answer to that is found in Psalm 27 in verse 1. And so I just want to start off by just reading the beginning, the first three verses of this psalm. We read, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. So there's our answer right there in, in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. This is the reality that David, who was the, the author of Psalm 27, this is the reality that he lived in and that he's expressing here in the psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. And then we see that, that other line there that comes and it says, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Now the first thing that I want to point out here, it has to do with the structure of the writing of this, especially here in, in verse 1. And he's using a literary device called parallelism that we see this frequently in Hebrew poetry. And it's frequently found in all the wisdom literature. We see it in the Psalms, we see it in, in the Proverbs, we see it in the book of Ecclesiastes that we're running through with our brother Ryan in the Song of Solomon, all of the wisdom literature, we find this. And this parallelism is where there are two lines where the second line is reinforcing or clarifying the things in the first. And we see that here in these opening lines in, in verse 1. Uh, we see that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And then the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And now, at first glance, it might seem that David is listing out three different things here. Uh, light, salvation, and stronghold. But what is really being expressed here uh, is what lies in the second line there, um, where it says, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And light and salvation are nuances to that central idea that the Lord is David's stronghold that he is David's place of security and rescue, and that the Lord is his guiding light that is illuminating and protecting him. And now I think it's important to point out uh, the parallelism here, uh, because I think it helps us be able to understand the central question that David opens up with in this psalm. And we get that question that follows each one of those opening lines. Whom shall I fear? Is the question. And then the second one comes in, of whom shall I be afraid? And that's the question that's occupying David's mind in his heart at this moment. Whom shall I fear? Now when someone is asking that question, when they're grappling with that, that means that there's real emotional turmoil that's going on inside of them. They're, they're struggling with some sort of fear and anxiety. And the word fear here that we see, um, it could, there's a couple of nuances there of how it could be rendered and, and, and the meaning for it. 
And the, and the first one, it could be revere or respect, like we see uh, in the fear of the Lord. And that means that's, that is the reverence of the Lord or, or the respect of the Lord. Or it could mean being frightened or terrified. And I think what's going on here is that David is actually expressing being frightened in terror. And the reason I think that it's frightened um, and that, that that's the right way to go here is because uh, we get a different word for fear in that second line, of whom shall be afraid. And the Hebrew word that we see there for afraid um, starts to get into the connotations of the feelings of dread and terror. So it's not just reverence and respect, but it's actual feelings of dread and terror. But I also think that that idea is, is reinforced in the way that David is describing the object of whom he's expressing this, this, this terror and this dread. And we see that in verses 2 and 3, and he, and he talks about his adversaries and evildoers and foes in verse 2. And he doesn't just leave it at individuals, um, but he refers to whole armies making an, an encampment around him that his enemies are closing in on all around him. And that word assail that we see there um, in verse 2, it means to, to close in or to draw closer to. And so it's, a, it's the claustrophobic feeling of enemies and darkness closing in on you with no escape. And the threat of overwhelming forces that are going to overtake you. And it's not just the threat of it. Um, in verse 3, he says, the war arise against me, meaning that the, the fear, the reality of an actual assault that's coming onto him. So it seems that when David is contemplating his fear, it's, a, it's arising from thinking about those enemies that are surrounding him. And these are real emotions that David is grappling with. And I, and I don't think this is unique to, to, to David by any means. I, I think this is an emotional struggle that all God's people um, wrestle with. Uh, the fear of man and uh, the dark forces that are at work at them rising up and, and surrounding us and assaulting his people and that feeling of being trapped and surrounded. And, and it can leave us with heart-pounding panic and fear that we're going to be overtaken. Now, it could come from uh, a leader's decision that is affecting our daily routines, that's making it hard to move forward in life. But this fear doesn't have to just be with just man or the decisions that they make. It may be come from uh, the possibility of, of losing a job or getting sick from COVID or some other sickness or even having fear and doubts as a parent or as a friend or as a pastor. Anything that feels like it's surrounding us and overtaking us and about to crush us. And the bottom line is that, that fear is a very real, raw, tumultuous emotion that we all grapple with. And we all need a rock-solid stronghold to retreat into so that we feel safe and secure. And for David, he clearly knows what that stronghold is. He says here in verse 1, and with, look at, with me again, he says, The Lord is my stronghold. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now that word stronghold, uh, it could be rendered as refuge. 
It's a, a place of security and protection. It's a fortress that cannot be penetrated by the forces that would seek to destroy you. It's a place of safety. And David is saying that the, the Lord, He is that place of safety. And that he, he is so strong that it cannot be broken. And it can withstand the power of an army closing in. David is considered who the Lord is. That the Lord is the, the omnipotent and powerful sovereign creator who brought everything into existence by the word of his mouth. He spoke everything into existence and he rules creation. Psalm 104 uh, verses 1 through 5, I, I read this last week at the beginning of our service. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. This is Almighty God. And David knows, who is there in heaven but you, O Lord? Who can resist God? That is where I'm going to find my security. He is my stronghold. And even though war may rise against me, I'm going to be confident because of who the Lord is, that He is Almighty God, omnipotent, and sovereign over all things. David's reflecting over his fears and, and the troubles that he's facing, and, and he's remembering who God is, uh, knowing that God is sovereign over all these things, and he concludes that the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, he begins the psalm by saying that the Lord is my light and my salvation. And again, these are nuances of the overall idea that the Lord is David's stronghold and his place of security and comfort. And the light has always been a symbol of, of pressing out the darkness and, and illuminating the path of the believer. And the light is also frequently used um, and associated with the leading of truth. Like we read in, in Psalm 43.3, Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. And we also see in Psalm 119 that, that amazing discourse on the excellencies of the Word of God. We see in, in verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the, the, the light of God is the, that illuminating, truth-revealing guide for us that extinguishes the darkness. But David also says that the Lord is my salvation. Now, whenever we see that word uh, salvation, I think we sometimes always make the leap to final spiritual salvation. And now, rest assured, um, that truth could be found in here. And that could, be, that could apply um, to our lives, absolutely. But I think in the immediate context that David is writing in the psalm, um, I think he's also meaning something else. Uh, it can also mean, as I believe that he has uh, written here, is to convey the Lord saving out of present troubles. 
And that word salvation that we see here, it could also be rendered as rescued. Uh, the Lord is the one who rescues us. And we also see that David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, indicating that he believes God is a present help, a present light, and a present rescuer for him. And I, and I think that David is reflecting back on those experiences that he's, that he's had in his relationship with God and all the times that he's been rescued by the hands of evil men, by God's sovereignty. I think of, of David being hunted by King Saul, like we see in, in 1 Samuel 23. This is 1 Samuel 23, 26 through 28. You don't have to turn there in your Bibles. I'm just going to read it here real quick. David's being pursued relentlessly by Saul. And we read this. Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul. As Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. David is remembering all of the many times, just like the one that we read here, where God rescued him. And he's being strengthened in his soul at the reality of the Lord's sovereignty in allowing that to happen. Now, this isn't to say that God won't let bad things happen at all. There's no guarantee of that. But God knows our appointments. He knows and controls all the events of the world. And if we are to escape, it's because he allows it. And he has sovereignty, sovereignly allowed that to happen. And as David re reflects on this and remembers time and time again how he has been led by the light of the Lord that has revealed his will to him, and he has been rescued by his sovereign hand, and he knows that he is safe and secure in the Lord and that he can trust God and not fear man. Because it's all in the good plan of God. Now, I'm not saying that David is expressing the stoic, uh, boastful trust in the Lord and making a mockery out of anybody who fears. Not at all. I think that David might be the first to admit his, his weaknesses in his heart and in those moments, and, and he's reflecting on that, and he's writing it into a song, into a, a worship song to be sung as a constant reminder that our strength and our security in the times that we fear come from the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And what a blessing from God um, to have this treasure of a psalm to meditate on and to guide our thinking, especially right now. It's so easy right now in the, in the middle of COVID and political turmoil and, and distance learning and school and everything else that seems to be having the world turned upside down and pressing in on us. We might be thinking, how am I going to do it? How am I going to get through all of this? How am I going to make it into the next season? How am I going to make it? into the next week? How am I going to make it 
the next day or the next hour? How are we going to survive if there's a, another unexpected twist that gets thrown in here? Another problem that suddenly comes in and blindsides us. We can't see that. It's the darkness of the future that only the Lord knows. And we as God's children, we have a fear of the dark. And it frightens us. But I think it's helpful for us to, to remember who God is. And that He has a long history of rescuing His people. The people of God have gone through many, many seasons. Many tough seasons. And we see them detailed in the Bible throughout redemptive history. We see how, how God rescued Noah and led him to safety after the flood. We see the, the promise that was given to, to Abraham and then how the children of Israel were enslaved. But God was faithful to rescue them and lead them out by a pillar of fire. And we see how God time and time again rescued his people out of captivity. And then ultimately how he brought us Jesus to rescue us from our sin and to give us peace in that reconciliation with God. And reminding our hearts that God is faithful, that He is our light and our salvation. He is the stronghold of our lives that helps us face fear in order to be able to have the confidence to move forward. And even though it seems like the darkness is all around us, that it's pressing in, we know that we have a sovereign God that is in control over, over those things and that we can have that confidence in Him as we move forward. Now we might ask ourselves or even struggle with the, the question, um, why are God's people meant to go through these things? Why are we meant to, to suffer and to have to go through these things that, that bring fear and trembling into our hearts? Now there's no easy answer to that. Only God knows the exact reasons why He purposes these events in the way that He does. But I think one of the reasons uh, may be to help us keep our eyes and our hearts focused on Him. When things get scary, um, it, and it seems like the world is going to crush in on us, that's when we start to truly see our need and our dependence fully on Him. We start to understand that all the security and the comforts that we take and all of these earthly things are fleeting, and that they won't really provide any real sense of security, and that only the Lord will be able to do that. And it helps us to be able to, to set our priorities on, on fixing our eyes toward Him. And I think that's exactly what's going on here in this psalm, and especially with, right down here in verses 4 through 6. Read with me. This is, this is verses 4 through 6. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For He will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in His tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord." Now, what I think that we're seeing here in verse 4 uh, is simply the desire of David's heart. 
It's, to, it's a desire to dwell and live in the house of the Lord and to meditate on who He is. And, and that word dwell that we see there, it means to sit down or to remain sitting. But I don't think David is expressing here that he wants to become a priest and, and that he wants to just moment by moment just be in the physical building of God or in the temple or in the house of God. I believe that he, what he's doing here is he's, he's expressing the desire to be close in the presence of God. And not just on, on the days that he goes there to worship, but each and every day of his life. He wants that closeness there. And the expression that, he, that he's giving here is a desire that each and every day he's living in close communion with God. Now, one of the things that I want to, I want to point out here uh, in this, at the beginning of this verse is that he says, one thing, one thing that I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. Now, he doesn't say one of the things. He says one thing. And I think it's important to point this out because it calls out David's priority in seeking the Lord. This tops his list. It's the one desire above all things. David clearly sees his priority in seeking his refuge in God. And the single focus of his desire to seek the Lord and to take refuge entirely in Him. And I believe David's seeing his, his priority clearly because of the trouble that constantly surrounds him. Of that feeling that he's being assailed and surrounded by enemies. And that this is his refuge. The Lord is his refuge. Being in close communion with Him is his refuge. Now the sanctuary of God, being in the house of God, was considered a place of safety. And David is using that imagery here to convey that safety. In close communion with God. In constant day-to-day -day dependence on His strength and His sovereignty. The stronghold of his life. And how does he do this? Um, how does he gain that confidence and that security in the Lord? Well, by, by meditating and looking deeply into the very character of God. And, and look with me at verse 4 again. He says, That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Being in close communion with, by, by doing what? He's in, in communion with him. But how does he do that? By gazing upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. To see his wonderful attributes and let that fill him with a sense of awe. He's having this, this preoccupation with the very character of God. And it's a, it's a desire to know him deeper and to understand his will. That's what it means to, to inquire into his temple, to inquire in his temple. It's a desire to know him deeper and to understand his will. Now, the more that we know about God, the more that we come to see this, his beauty, and the more that we see his beauty, the more we trust in his sovereignty. When we see something that is beautiful, it captures us. There's an attraction to it that, that fills us with that, that sense of, of joy and delight. 
And it becomes hard to take our eyes off of it because it satisfies our senses so much. And we see the goodness in it. And we see the perfection and the glory in it. And David fills himself with the beauty of the Lord and is reflecting on his perfect character. Now, this could come from being drawn deeper into an awe-inspiring understanding of his holiness uh, or feeling that protectiveness um, and, and that provision of God as our Father or seeing His mercy and His grace as our Savior. It's looking into the omnipotent power, the sovereign of the universe, or seeing the mind-blowing design in the wisdom of the gospel. And having all those things fill you and increase your faith and love toward God as you meditate on the great things that He has done for His people and will continue to do for His people and become more secure in Him. And David knows that this is what he must do in day-to-day dependence on God so that he can face the dark, assailing forces of the world. That he must keep his eyes fixed and his heart constantly fixed on the beauty of the Lord, meditating on his, on his goodness and his sovereignty and his guidance as a, a light leading him to understand his will and his grand design. This is, my, this is what he must do in order to, to gain that confidence and to trust the Lord and to be able to say that the Lord is my stronghold. Now, there's no doubt that David's seeking and gazing and inquiring and his need to have those things linked to those troubles that he's facing in this world. He's linking those things. That's why in verse 4, uh, is, is right here in between uh, two other verses uh, about trouble. We see it in, in verse 3, as the armies are going to war with him. And we see it mentioned again in verse 5. Look with me. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. There, there is safety found in communion with him. The temple has been shown throughout history and throughout redemptive history as being a place of safety. And and for for David, God is a, a reliable place of refuge. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. This is trusting that God is is faithful to protect in present troubles and in future troubles. He will lift me high upon the rock. And the rock is a, is a symbol of the immovable strength, something that will endure even through the floodwaters. And here, David is telling us that he has the confidence in God by his sovereign strength, that he's going to rely upon him. And he's the one, that God is the one who lifts him high on the rock into that place of safety. And I also want to point out that it is, it is God who gains the victory for us. He's the one that grants the victory for us. He's the one that if you are on the rock, it's because God has placed you there. And then verse 6, it says, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. When we are feeling surrounded and assailed from all sides, 
Whether that be uh, feeling trapped in your job or feeling trapped in your own home from, from COVID or just generally assailed from the world around you so that it feels like it's, it's crushing in on you. Um, remember the amazing safety that we have in knowing that God is completely in control of all things and that he has rescued his people every time. The Bible is filled with the faithfulness of God, and we have a, a long history to show it, that he doesn't waver. He doesn't promise something and then not deliver. And David has the confidence here that his head shall be lifted above whatever forces are assailing him. And we can rest in that, and we can find peace to run to him as our stronghold, as our refuge. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not going to run into trouble. Most assuredly, we will. But gazing into his beauty and understanding the goodness and his wisdom and his will, and then being able to trustingly submit to his will, that gives us the strength and the confidence in him that he knows what he's doing. God knows exactly what he is doing. Now, I don't like to talk about politics, and I try hard to stay away from the subject. And, and part of it is because um, there is uh, a lot of misinformation out there. It's hard to know exactly uh, what information to trust. And I'm not going to comment on any particular issue or, or which side is wrong, which side is right. Um, but we have an election coming up. And I know that there's many of my brothers and sisters in Christ that are uh, anxious about how that might turn out. Um, that the, the turmoil that's happening because of politics, um, that the soul of the nation is at stake, and there is an anxiety that the enemy is all around us that is assailing us. Um, and that if, if one side wins, then it's going to mean that and this. And if, if the other side wins, then it's going to mean something else. Um, and there may be even an, an impulse for us to, to become fearful and panicked that we need to do something in order to prevent that from happening. And then on top of that, we've got, we've got COVID that surrounds us. And the actions that are being taken to that are, are threatening our rights or even our ability to be able to meet together. And then you mix in that together with all the uncertainty and the, and the uncertainty of, of the future and of jobs and how we're going to train our, our children in school this fall. And then the uncertainty of all that can seem far too overwhelming for us. And we feel like children in the dark, wanting that door to be left open so that the light comes in and reassures us. And so I just want to remind our hearts that whatever happens in an election or with COVID, or even if some new trouble comes along, that the Lord is our light and our salvation. He is our rescue and He is our refuge. That we can have confidence that He is going to guide us through those things. Now, it might not come in the form of the, of the president that you want or in the solutions that you favor or even in, in the timeline that we desire. But the Lord is faithful and He will set His people high upon the rock. And when we find our rest in that, and we're finding our security and our confidence in God as our stronghold and our refuge, then that's when we can have peace 
and we can sing for joy. And I think that's what David is getting at here at the the very end of of verse 6. It says, I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Now, one thing that's good to point out with the Psalms is, is to remember that these were worship songs that the people of God sang together. And this psalm here may be the expression of one man's experience, but it was written in order to be sung in corporate worship with all of God's people. And David speaks of the the dwelling in the house of the Lord in heartfelt communion with God. But what's also implied in that, and being in the house of the Lord, is being in community with God's people and worshiping together. And in community, beholding the beauty of the Lord together and in strengthening each other in our faith and our confidence in Him and, and together finding our refuge in Him. Now, as New Testament Christians, uh, we don't have a temple to come to to be able to, to gaze at the beauty of the Lord, so to speak. And, and we as a church right now, we don't even have a building. But as a church, we can come together whether it's watching our our services online on Sunday, on YouTube, or gathering together in our our outdoor services, or even getting together in our small groups, or even one-on-one. Whatever capacity that is, we can strengthen each other and encourage each other to be able to find our refuge and our strength and our stronghold in God. And my hope is, is that we would all have that same one desire that David expresses in this psalm, Uh, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to be a part of His church, to be a part of His people, and that we'd have that desire to bury ourselves in the protective sovereignty of our God. Ultimately, our our hope isn't in in governments or in political parties or in presidents or, or vaccines or schools opening up or even church buildings, but it's in the hope and the life that we have in Jesus Christ. The reality of Jesus as our Savior is the proof that God is looking out for our good and is acting to be our refuge in our place of security. He knows our weaknesses and He gave His Son for us so that we could live through Him. And though it may at times feel that there's an army encamped around us and the darkness is closing in all around us, we can know that we can have the confidence that the Lord is our light and our salvation, that He is our refuge, that we can put our faith and dependence in Him. And because of that, of whom shall we fear? Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, Lord, Lord, You are our stronghold. Lord, you are the mighty God of all creation, the sovereign designer of all things. Whom shall we fear? Whom shall we be afraid? Lord, our hearts often fall in dread of man, of of political parties, of, uh, of COVID, of all these things, this turmoil that it seems that the the world has been turned upside down on. 
And we fear sometimes, Lord. But we know, Lord, that you are in control of all things. And we pray, Father, that you would just give us that strength, that you would help us to be able to, to see here with David and to be able to say with confidence, the Lord, you are our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? You are our stronghold, our refuge. Of whom shall we be afraid? Lord, I pray that our hearts would be strengthened uh, by this word, by this, by this psalm, by the, the, the amazing words that we find here. And we thank you, Lord, that you are our refuge. I pray that our hearts would be strengthened, knowing that you are going to guide us through this, that throughout history that you have never abandoned your people, that you have a divine plan. And even that uh, we might uh, go through some dark times, that, Lord, you are there to protect us and to guide us through this. Lord, help us to understand your will better, to have that desire to be in your house, to be with your people, and to sing songs of joy and to give those sacrifices of joy to you. Lord, are you the sovereign God that has created all things? And we pray, Lord, that you just give us strength to get through this season, to get through this day, and to help us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the rescuing of us from our sin for loving us so much that you sent him for us. And we pray, Lord, that he would be exalted in our hearts and that we would continue to love you and to live by your light and your salvation. Lord, we thank you for all things that you've blessed us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.